0: Welcome to Your Will Be Done, which basically means, okay, God, I am done doing it my way. I surrender. It's your turn to lead. (laughs) This is the show for ambitious Christian women. Maybe you're a mom, a wife, a business owner, a corporate employee, or let's be honest, all of the above. And you're trying to figure out what exactly it looks like to be a true follower of Jesus in modern day life. What does surrendering it all and letting God lead actually mean when you've got bills, responsibility, kids to provide for whether you've recently been born again and this whole Christianity thing is brand new to you, or you've been a Christian for years and you want that fresh fire and deeper intimacy with God, and you really wish you had a girlfriend to help you navigate this entirely new and often very countercultural path, hi, that's me. My name is Sarah Patrucci, and I'm a former network marketer turned online mindset and manifestation coach who was radically born again in 2021. My entire identity was wrapped up in work and achievement until Jesus came into my life changed everything and made me new. I surrendered it all at his feet and I'm taking you with me on the real, often messy journey so we can figure it all out together. I won't claim to be an expert and I'll always tell you to test everything I share by going to your Bible, but God is teaching me a ton and he is radically transforming my heart and my mind. So I'm sharing all of my revelations, learnings and real life lessons with you while also bringing on other guests so you can hear from other women's stories too. If you're hungry to grow in intimacy with God, live a life led by the Spirit, and you're not afraid to get a little messy with me as I share the real life journey of following Jesus, then let's do this, sister. Welcome to the new show. Tonight, I want to kick things off by talking about the only one who truly matters, and that is Jesus Christ himself and the powerful revelations of Him that have completely changed my life, and I'm sure many of you are listening as well. <laughs> so we all worship something, right? We were created to worship. God actually made us this way. And we live in a fallen world. We live in a sinful world where we seek fulfillment in worldly things, things that we want and we're looking to satisfy us, but things that really satisfy our flesh, things like work, people, ambitions, material things, success, wealth, influence, sex, social media, alcohol, food, relationships, the list goes on and on. And God made the world and he made the world created and created a bunch of amazing things for our pleasure and for our delight because he loves us. But God also designed our souls to find our ultimate fulfillment in him and him alone. Matthew twenty two thirty seven through forty says, Jesus replied, "Love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it: love your neighbor as yourself. And all of the law and all of the prophets hang on these two commandments. So these are the two most important things to God for us and how we live. And I can tell you that first one, I did not." I did not have that in my life. I did not love God with all my heart and all my soul and all my mind. In fact, it was really hard for me to, and I, didn't even, I wasn't even aware of all the walls that I had up in my heart and in my life um, until God actually helped me break those walls down. And so I want to share about that. Tonight, I want to share a lot of revelations I had with you over one of the most basic things there is, and that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. So I grew up. Never fully understanding Jesus, as crazy as that sounds. I grew up Catholic, went to Catholic school for eight years. I believed in God. I believed that Jesus was the son of God who died for our sins. Um, I believe that to be true, but I didn't fully ever grasp it. No one ever fully explained it to me, I feel. I had a lot of unanswered questions. I had a lot of pieces that didn't make sense to me. I didn't read the Bible. Um, I didn't grow up in a family that read the Bible. And I didn't know how desperately I needed him. (laughs) And I definitely didn't value him or what he did for the world. So I had these questions, you know, what is sin? Even the word alone, it's so biblical and it's so church sounding. I didn't quite understand that. I didn't know what I did that was so wrong. (laughs) I didn't know that I was so separated from God. I didn't know exactly why Jesus had to come and die and what this whole sacrifice thing was all about. I didn't understand why he was called the Lamb of God. I didn't understand how or why does his blood forgive our sins. I didn't understand how this really mattered to me in present day. I didn't understand how a man who lived over 2000 years ago could affect me today and help me today and why I desperately needed him. I didn't understand the power and the beauty that is the real gospel. It was all head knowledge for me and all head belief. Like I said, I believed in God. I went to church. I even started reading the Bible. I was baptized. I said yes on stage three years ago to making Jesus the Lord and savior of my life, but I did not experience a heart change. I did not let him into my heart, not like purposely. I didn't even realize I just, I just couldn't, I just didn't, I didn't experience repentance, repentance in my life or true life change. Um, I prayed to God, you know, I talked to God a lot. I talked to God though. I never fully could wrap my mind around Jesus. I really had a hard time even saying his name out loud. And I really believe that that was like a, like a demonic type of thing. I don't know. It was, it's weird. I like, I felt weird saying it. He felt too human to me is what I used to say, which is so crazy to me now. Like, what does that even mean? But that's how he felt. I kept him at an arm's distance. And I remember that there'd be these songs at church that would talk about seeking his face and his love and they would weird me out and make me feel super uncomfortable. And there's this whole metaphor in the Bible. It's actually incredibly beautiful about Jesus as our bridegroom and us as the bride. And I could not handle that. Even a few months ago, I couldn't handle that metaphor. I kid you not. It was way too personal for me to handle. I couldn't be vulnerable vulnerable enough to actually like go there. It felt too intimate. And I had so many walls up, like I said, in my heart for that kind of a relationship with God, even though I knew I really wanted it. But I just couldn't. I couldn't let him in. And um, I really believe like that is the work of the enemy. We are all made to love God. It is the first commandment, right? We are made to love God, but the enemy is the God of this world and he will do anything he can to keep us separated from Jesus especially because that is the way, right, to our salvation. And so he warps our sense of love. You know, he. it even says in the Bible that our, the eyes of the unbelievers are blinded. And in fact, this whole revelation of Jesus in in your life is the work of God himself through the Holy Spirit. God himself is love in the purest form. Yet it's so hard for so many of us, at least it was for me to fully accept that, to believe that and to receive that. I think I believed it, but I could not receive it until God came into my life and helped me do that. And I'll I'll share all of that. I do. I wonder, you know, was I really even saved before? I don't know. I, I think about this often, but it, it really doesn't matter now, I guess, because I've I've found the one that my soul was missing. I found the missing piece that I was always looking for in other things. And so I want to talk about the word, the word repentance. I remember when I, I used to hear that word growing up, especially in Catholic school and stuff, it always sounded so harsh and condemning to me. But the truth is, there is no condemnation for anyone in Christ. Romans 8 tells us that. And, you know, I thought repentance was like this confessing your sins to a priest. It was the act of doing something really, really, really bad and begging God for forgiveness, which honestly, that was kind of where I was recently. So, <laughs> kind of was there. But really, the true definition is about doing an, a 180 degree change in a direction from prior actions. It's about changing the, your ways, it's about no longer doing certain things and sinful activities. But what's incredible is that it's by Jesus's saving power that you actually want to stop doing those things. And you find that your desires actually change as a response to the revelation of what he did for you. And so it's not like this, your hands are tied behind your back and you feel like you're forced to do things. God is not like that. You gladly will give up old ways, old values, old desires that are selfish, that are self-serving. And it's all out of pure love that comes when the gospel and who Jesus is and what he did for you finally actually hits your heart. At least that's what happened to me. And so for me, it was not until this true work of God by the Holy Spirit in my life powerfully moved this revelation from about Jesus from my head to my heart that everything changed. My whole worldview changed, my life has changed a lot. Um, and I'm gonna take you all on that journey. I'm still in the middle of it all, but I didn't ask for this to happen. I didn't ask for God to come in and give me this huge revelation. Like, I guess subconsciously I was seeking God or, you know, maybe I actually believe it was God seeking me because God seeks us and was drawing me closer to him as I was led to join this women's Bible study group about almost two years ago. But God does this supernatural work of revealing himself to us in his own timing. And if you've experienced it, you know exactly what I'm talking about. He's the one who draws us to him and then reveals himself to to us And then we have a choice. And if you haven't ever experienced that revelation of Jesus in your life, if you haven't ever experienced like the gospel truly hitting you where you're like, whoa, or you haven't experienced God's presence in that intimate personal relationship with God, then maybe you're listening to this for a reason. You know, maybe he is seeking you right now, drawing you closer to him. Maybe he's trying to reveal himself to you. In fact, I believe he is. And so I urge you to keep listening to this no matter where you are in your faith journey whether you already know him, because if you do, you're going to love it. Because if we love Jesus, we love to hear about Jesus, right? And if you don't, I encourage you to listen, because maybe you had some of the blocks that I did, and maybe you had some of the the unanswered questions that I had. And I'm going to walk you through some of those. Um, And I just encourage you to allow yourself to explore him. It's okay to ask questions. I think God actually welcomes it. And from a lot of the stories I've heard, that's where it started. People went to God and said, God, who are you really? I need to know. If you're real, I need you to just show me. And, you know, we're told not to test God in the Bible, but I believe that there's a certain, you know, I well, those are for unbelievers. So they're, they're asking because they're curious, right? And I think that that's okay. God says, come, let's reason together. Like, I encourage you, if you are seeking and curious and you have desires to want to know God more and to understand him more, to yield to those desires, because when he finds you and you discover him, you'll know the truth and it's the best thing that will ever happen to you. So here's what happened to me. (laughs) The first thing that happened to me was that I finally realized my sin. I finally realized all of the things I was doing that were against God and ungodly. And you'd think this sounds like a bad thing, but actually, it's the saving power, thanks to the Holy Spirit, that finally unblinds us and makes us realize our sinful ways and makes us realize where we're not right with God, which then helps us to actually realize how desperate we need a Savior and to be so thankful for Jesus. You know, In uh, Romans, the book of Romans, chapter five, verse eight, it says, but God showed his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So we don't have to be right first. God died for you when you were still a sinner. And so Jesus saves. We hear that, right? Jesus saves. Jesus is the savior. So that implies that we need saving. So, what do we need saving from? I will tell you. I didn't think I need a, needed a savior in my life. I was very self-sufficient. I was very independent. I thought I was good, but I was blind to the sin problem that we have as humans. All of us were born into that separates us from God. I did not understand that that there was a there was a separation. Um, I was also blind to the path of darkness. I was actually heading down in my personal life in the online coaching world that I was a part of. There was a lot of deception, emptiness, pride, lots of pride. I was full of pride. I'm, God's still working that out. I'm not going to say I'm perfect because I'm not, but um, I've been very made aware of the prideful ways that I was, the self-obsessive life, the idols that I built that promised me the world, <laughs> You know, the things that I put my, my faith in, the things I put my security in, um, myself even. And these things were taking me further away from God because they weren't God himself. Right? Anything above God is an idol. Anything that takes more of our attention, our heart is an idol. So I had a lot of idols in my life. I did not have God in my life, even though I thought I did. And honestly, I believed prior to this revelation that I was doing the will and work of God. I believed that all of my selfish desires that were in my heart were from God. And I would pray to God to bless my desires, my ambitions, grow my business. But I completely lacked reverence for Him and His ways. And I did not. Did not ever truly understand like the work in the person of Jesus. Nope. And in Ephesians, it says, To put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through the deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. So we were, all of us are born into sin. We have. <laughs> as humans, this fallen nature, and we'll get into that a little bit. Um, Our desires as humans, we can't help it. We are led by the flesh. We live in the world, and the world is run by Satan. So I don't know if that sounds too crazy to you, but that's the truth. He's the God of this world. And so when I encountered Jesus, it was like the fear of God was put in me. (laughs) It was scary at first. I experienced a 180 mindset shift, and I realized everything like in a, it was almost like my, it was like all in a moment I was driving in my car and it was like, everything started crashing in on me. And I was like, Oh my goodness. And it was like, I realized all the things I was doing wrong. I realized so many things about Jesus that I never actually accepted. All these truths were like made known. It was like instant. It was like a complete shifting of my mind. And I realized that, um, the world, I saw the world all of a sudden in completely like black and white, spiritually black and white. I just saw it. Like I saw the spiritual warfare in the world. um in my life, I saw the competing forces, the darkness and the light, as clear as day. And the enemy fights for our worship in many, many, many ways. And he is slick. And I'd been worshipping the dark side, disguised as light. And in two Corinthians eleven fourteen, it says, and no wonder for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. I fall for it. But see, God, God is a gentleman. He loves us and he wants us and he seeks us and he knocks and he reveals himself and he saves us. Sometimes when we need it, he'll come in like a lion to our rescue and like smack us in the face a little bit, which is what I experienced kind of. He'd been knocking and I was ignoring and he'll rescue us when we don't listen. But he didn't create us to be robots. That's the beautiful thing. Our God created us with free will because he loves us beyond comprehension he didn't create hell either. The angels had free will as well. And they decided some of them, that they wanted to try to be like God and go against God and do their own thing, they chose their independence from God, from this perfect, holy, good, righteous God, and you know, fell, which is what we ended up doing in the Garden of Eden as well. <laughs> so God wants us to choose him out of our love, not out of obligation or fear or force. And it breaks his heart when we worship anything above him. He gave himself fully for us in the most incredible display of his love and faithfulness in hopes that we will say yes to loving him back, but he doesn't force it. He wants us so badly that he gave all of himself. And we're going to talk about that. But again, he waits for us to say yes to him and he does not force us to. And so often, many of us, I don't know about, I don't know who I was listening to this, so I don't know the audience yet, but I will speak for myself. I took it for granted. I completely ignored it. I turned away. I didn't have any, I didn't have any desire to know Jesus, to have him a part of my life, to give my life to him, to really understand what he did, like was not a part of my world. It really saddens me to even think about that and say that, but I'm just being completely honest with you. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. He laid his life down. He gave everything of himself. And in this, John says, in this love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the pro, pro, I can't say the word, basically the substitute for us. Like he took the penalty of sin that we deserve, the wrath that we deserve on himself for us. He stood in our place. And so I remember after this all started hitting me in the car, I got home that afternoon with my son I was taking him somewhere. I got home with him. I let him like, I put on the TV for him and I like locked myself in the bathroom real quick, head out in the bathroom, dropped to my knees. I was compelled to my knees and I just started confessing and, and asking God for forgiveness for all of the things. I was in tears and it was like, it was wild. It was supernatural. The next morning I was woken up to, and I was led, I was woken up at four 30 in the morning. And I was led to go read a certain scripture in the Bible that pointed out everything that I had been doing and it spoke about all of the false teachers and the influence that I'd been a part of and that I'd been letting rule my world, and it talked as well about what would happen to those people who didn't change their ways, and it was terrifying. It's it was in two Peter chapter two, and it talks about you can go look it up the whole section about the black is black is reserved for them. They I, this is from memory. I just the they lure people in with you know, promises of freedom, but it's all empty. And I'm like, that's exactly what I was falling for. I was falling for all of the manifestation coaches, the money coaches, the money manifestation, all these things. And, and, and the people that were actually using scripture out of context and, and speaking about God, but they were not, they, it was very twisted. And I fell for all of that. And so it was terrifying. It was absolutely terrifying, but it was also like, thank you for opening my eyes. It was like the blindfold was completely ripped off. So let's talk about sin for a minute. I don't know about you, because I don't know where you are in your journey, but I was someone who believed that I was a good person, other than what I just told you about, like what I was falling for. But see, I thought I was a good person, and I thought that most of us are all good people and we're all going to go to heaven because of that. I believe that God is so loving, because you hear God is love all the time, which he is, but I believe like, there was no way that God could possibly send good people to hell just because maybe they're a different religion, or maybe they don't know Jesus, or whatever. I just couldn't understand that. But what I didn't understand was God's character. And I didn't understand our sin problem as human beings. The reality is that we're not good people according to God's standard. We're not. We're not good people by nature. In Romans, it says, When Adam sinned, sin sinned entered the world. Adam's sin brought death. So death spread to everyone, for everyone sinned. We were born into sin. All of us fall short of the glory of God. God is perfect. We are not. God and sin do not mix. They're like oil and water. So we are a sinful humanity and God is perfect. God is holy. Holy means set apart. God is just, meaning he's fully righteous to all of us equally, which also means that he must punish evil and sin just as we'd want any good judge to do, right? God is love. God literally is love. And because he loves so much, he hates sin if you love people, then you hate murder and evil and death. And God does not change. He is faithful. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so what's really amazing is when you look back at the creation story, which I'm actually studying right now in Genesis, it's so amazing to think about. When you, oh, God created man special from all other creations. He created us special. We were very good. He made us out of love and his desire to have relationship with us. He made us in the garden. He gave us the garden of Eden, which is basically heaven on earth. And the whole plan and his whole design and his his desire was to be able to walk with us, to do life with us. But thanks to Adam and Eve and Satan, (laughs) sin entered the world and the fall of humanity began. And like I said, God and sin are like oil and water. They don't mix. And the wages of sin is death. God established that in the garden of Eden. And we chose evil. We chose to want to be "quote unquote like God." We chose our independence. Um we rebelled against his only the only rule he gave us. We, we said, "Nope, I'm going to do it my way, God. You gave me all these amazing things, but I'm going to go do this," right? And so we realized our shame, we realized our nakedness. Um and so we chose to disobey God. We, we went against him and we chose life without his presence. And so he removed himself from us until Jesus came anyways, which we'll get into. But um if Okay, so think of this. If we were in a courtroom, if you were standing in a courtroom, standing before God, in his eyes, as, as just being a human being, no matter what you've done or what you haven't done in your life, just you're human, so you were born into sin, he would lay down the hammer and declare you guilty of sin. And he would say, you deserve punishment and death for that. But just before he declares you guilty, imagine Jesus steps in and he takes that penalty for you. Even though he was completely sinless and he didn't do anything wrong, he gladly takes it for you and so the whole bible is really this amazing love story of god for humanity and the story of god's redemption and the entire old testament points to jesus as the pinnacle see jesus was not plan b for god after our fall in the garden this is like a huge thing that's like amazing to think about he was always plan a from before the world was ever created god already knew that we would sin against him he already knew what we would do he already knew we'd fall for temptation he let us have our free will and his plan was to later redeem us and give us a way back to a right relationship with him on earth and in eternity and in heaven forever. That's the reality. It wasn't like, oh, God screwed up and then made Jesus. No, he already knew. He loves us enough to not force us, right? He loved us enough to give us free will because he wants us to choose him out of our own free will. And so one of the things that I did not understand, this really kind of uh, might sound a little bit maybe this is like boring, or maybe you already know this, but I didn't know about the old sacrificial system. So for a long time, I never really truly understood why Jesus had to die for us the way he did, or the whole thing with the blood sacrifice or why he was called the lamb of God. I didn't really fully understand that. And it's because I didn't understand the old Testament. I didn't understand the Jewish sacrificial system that existed in the old Testament and forever before Jesus came. So in the old Testament, if you don't know this, they would have this person who was like the most godly person. I'm using air quotes because you know we're all human, so we all have sin, but the most good person um, <laughs> that there could be. And they would be the they like they would be the high priest, and there was a temple, and they would bring um and, and in the temple, there were two different rooms, main rooms, and the, the one room in the back. This is how I envision it, anyways. I could be wrong. Um, in the back was like the most holy place, and that's where God's presence was, and that's where you could find God's presence, and that's where they would bring the sacrifice. They would sacrifice animals like lambs, and they would find the most perfect spotless lamb they could, and they would sacrifice it once a year and, you know, shed blood because blood was used to cleanse sins. But the thing is, is that this system is limited because it didn't help people in the future. Um, The priest himself is human, so, you know, he's got to do something for his own sin, which is like going to be flawed and not fully fix it. It didn't help them for the future. It didn't help them um, forever. They had to keep coming back every year. It was only good for the past sins. So this really didn't truly fix the problem. And people couldn't really live with God. Only this high priest got to go through there. And there was this, um, there was this veil that would separate the room. So that comes into play later. But anyways, in the entire Old Testament, the people are trying to obey the laws, right? The commandments, which there's like 613 of them or something like something like that. Um, which The whole point of that is really just to show us how impossible it is for us to follow God's laws as sinful humans in our own strength. Like we needed a savior. There was no way we could do it. It proved that we can't earn God's saving grace in our own works or doing. We need Jesus. So God himself realized, you know, he didn't realize he already knew, um, this is not going to fix the problem for humanity, but at least now they know that they have sin, right? Like we had to have that in order to show us how wrong and and how insufficient we really are. And so, in order to bring us back into right relationship with God, He had to do something to to fix it once and for all. And so, that is what Jesus did. Right? This really blows my mind, though. Okay, this blows my mind to think about. So Jesus was always present from the very first pages of Genesis. The Trinity always existed as a Trinity. If you go back and look, they use the R, they use the "we." It like God is in relationship with Himself. We have a relational God, which I just think is so cool to think about. Jesus was always present. And in fact, it states that through him, by him, and for him, all things were made. So it's so cool. And it blows my mind for me to think about how he made this world. He made and designed this world, knowing that one day he would walk it. He created things so intentionally in this world. Even how he made us with human um, like functions and things like Okay, for example, this is like, oh, and he did this knowing that he was going to come here and use all these things to be these powerful metaphors for us one day. So, for example, I love this. (laughs) He made us have a need to eat and experience hunger so that he could later come and explain how he is the bread of life. He made us require water to literally survive. Like, we can't go three days without drinking water. And then he comes here and tells us how he is the living water. Like, it's amazing. Jesus said to them in John 6, 35, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. I just think that's so cool to think about like how he designed the world knowing he'd walk it, but also designed relationships, marriage, um, food, water, our our human like hunger, thirst, all these things to come and then use all these, there's even more, but use all these metaphors and to, and to teach us and to try to explain him in a relationship with him. I just think that's amazing to think about. Okay. The other thing that blows my mind is to think about God himself in perfect heaven, perfect heaven. He lives in perfection. (laughs) He's praised and worshiped in his kingdom 24 seven decides to come down, sacrifice that perfection to come on, take on human flesh, take on this messed up world, come as a baby in a manger in the most humble place. Like this is not a cute little nativity scene y'all. This is like dirty, animal poop. Like it's not a pretty, it's not, it's, it's very humble conditions is how the king of the universe comes into this world, right? To walk with us, not as royalty, but as a poor person who has no home. It says in the Bible that the the son of man has no place to lay his head or something like that. And this is memory. Anyways, he brought the kingdom of God down to earth to heal us, to teach us, to leave us with his word spoken in the flesh. I praise God for the Bible. It is like the most amazing book of wisdom. And thank God we have that recorded from all of the things that Jesus said and did. It's incredible. He lived his whole life here on earth, completely dependent on God's direction, on the Father's direction, which was an example for us, empowered and led by the Holy Spirit and had no sin because God only can save us from what he was not so he had no sin fully god fully man and because of that um because of that he was able to be our he was able to be our sin for us he was able to take on the the penalty that we deserved That he took on instead you know jesus underwent extreme torture for us extreme torture like if you really think about it we were just talking about this in my group how i think um they said like he bled seven times there's seven different scenarios starting with when he's in the garden praying and asking god like if this cup can be taken away from me please take it away he's sweating blood he's in such agony right and that's the thing is jesus understands everything we've ever experienced as humans when you're hungry, when you're tired, when you're scared, he wept, he had fear, he sweat blood. I mean, I don't think any of us were tortured as much as he was. No one was. Um, you know, he wasn't even recognizable on the cross. We see all these like pictures at church where it's like a, you know, he looks fine. No, you couldn't even recognize him. So everything that you've ever gone through, like we serve a God who understands because he's been there. How mind blowing is that to think about, right? He gets it and he gets it more than like your own husband gets it. Like he gets it. All right. He poured out his perfect sinless blood for us as our perfect sacrifice. The only one that could actually do it because he was fully God, no sin and fully human. So he could stand in our place. And he did this to set us free from the bondage of darkness of Satan, of the sin here on earth. And to give us the only way to reconcile us back into God's presence and to be able to have eternal life in heaven. I mean, his beard was plucked out of his face. His back was torn open. Like it's crazy to think about, you know, crucifixion was one of the most intense ways. It was the most intense way to kill someone. Um, And it was publicly displayed, and he did that on purpose so the whole world could see. And it's the most shameful way, too. You know, we see, again, these pictures that look a little bit prettier than the reality. Like, he's completely naked up there. Um, And it's really wild to think about it. Oh, there was a quote I wanted to read to you all, and I didn't write it down. But it talks about, like, how Adam came into this world, and, you know, Adam and Eve realized that they were naked in the garden, right? Okay, I got it. Here's the quote. Okay, so it says, consider this, the Bible is the story of two gardens, Eden Gethsemane. In the first Adam took a fall, in the second Jesus took a stand. In the first God sought out Adam, in the second Jesus sought God. In Eden Adam hid from God, in Gethsemane Jesus emerged from the tomb. In Eden Satan led Adam to a tree that led him to his death. From Gethsemane Jesus went to a tree that led to our life. How amazing is that? Okay. So, anyways, You think about the torture that he went through. And here's the other thing to think about. Jesus was never separated from the father. He was never separated from, from father God. Like they were inseparable. (laughs) They were so close. That's literally like who he was led by all the time. And so when he's on the cross and he's actually taking the penalty for us, he actually is experiencing the wrath of God, which is a thing that we actually deserve. And in that moment, God's spirit, the Holy Spirit actually leaves his body when he dies, right? And there's that time when he says like, it is finished. Well, actually before that, he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And so you have to think like, he's never experienced sin ever. He is perfect. He is God. He is sinless, right? He has the presence of the Holy Spirit and he is in communion with the Father, and that time when God just forsakes him because he takes on all of the sin of the world for eternity, forever your sin, your future sin, your past sin, everybody's sins, everything. And he literally takes all of that on, and God's presence leaves in that moment because it, God and sin don't mix, right? And so he is literally like deserted there in that moment until, of course, You know, he dies, it is finished, completed, work is done and then rises again, which is incredible. So that's just crazy to think about. Like, I don't know if that moves you, I hope it does. It blows my mind to think about it. But then it gets even better, okay? (laughs) It gets even better. A lot of us stop there. A lot of people will say, you know, if someone were to ask you, why did Jesus come to to earth? A lot of us will say he came to die for our sins. Yes, he did. He came to die for our sins and make a way for us to be back in in communion with God. Or, to go to heaven is what people will say. However, there's a whole nother piece that we get to experience here in this earth right now, today that is one of the most amazing gifts ever. okay? So I used to think that, yeah, Jesus came to earth to allow us to go to heaven, and that didn't really change me now or affect me now. But he didn't just come for a destination later. He came for us to be reborn in his spirit to be made new, to experience life into the and life to the fullest abundant life freedom from bondage now, and to enjoy the gifts of the spirit now. So when we come to Jesus and we believe in him, we get the most incredible gift ever. We get his spirit that literally comes and lives inside of us. Like, think about this. Literally God himself gives his spirit to us, which not only allows us to become one with him so that we can experience God tangibly, his presence, that peace, that joy, that overwhelming, take your breath away kind of love, You know what I'm talking about? If you've ever let him into your heart, (laughs) it's incredible. So this is how we can be in the midst of the most crazy life situations and yet still feel like we're in this bubble of peace. It's how fear dies. It's how sin no longer has control over our lives. It's how Satan has no power in our lives. It's how you actually feel at rest in your soul and you stop striving. It's how you feel completely fulfilled in a way that nothing in the world can do for you. It's the best. It's the most amazing thing in the world. Then his spirit actually works in you to change you. You know, we're told we have the mind of Christ, he actually makes us want to follow his will, his desires become our desires. He helps us not sin. (laughs) He helps us to live the way that he wants us to live. And it's out of our wanting to. We don't feel forced to. We desire it. Um, We don't feel like we're imprisoned. It's actually the complete opposite. It feels like total freedom. And he makes us want to submit our lives to him because we're so blown away by how he gave us his. It is our response out of love and reverence and joy. So I hope you've experienced that. Because getting to know Jesus is like truly being in a real relationship. It's almost like, I kind of think of this metaphor. Before you meet him, it's kind of like you're dating the devil. You know, you're fooled by the world's, uh, the devil's slick tricks and flashy ways that only feed you these false promises and these lies that are totally leading you into destruction and darkness. At least they were for me. And then Jesus comes along and plucks us out of the darkness and brings us into the light. Thank God. And then he gives all of himself to, you know, he gave all of himself to have you, even when you turned your back on him. He loved you so much, even and went through torture, went through, you know, the wrath, took the penalty on himself, went to the cross willingly for you. He basically proposed to you on the cross, poured out his blood for you hoping that you'll say yes to his offer. And then when you still turn away, he still keeps on patiently loving you and seeking you and taking care of you. And when you finally say yes to him, he washes all of your sins, your shame, your wrongdoing, your past mistakes, your past sins, all of the things that were done to you, everything washes it away. And he gives you his spirit and he heals you and he fills your heart with love and peace and joy and then you, that spirit gets to be your helper and your guide. And through his power and his strength in you, you can accomplish more than you could ever do on your own. And in a way that does not feel like you're striving, it is incredible. He pours his loving presence over you, renews your mind, heals your heart, gives you peace tangibly. So you can experience the joy of it and the joy of his pure love. And then you realize that he's what he's rescued you from. Like you realize the darkness that you are in or that you were headed for, or even that exists in this world. And so in total gratitude for that, that's where I was like, take my life, <laughs> like whatever you want me to do, it is yours, Lord, it is yours. That's at least how it all went down for me. So I what's really wild too that blows my mind is that we can't even begin to love God without God. So I told you that I had a lot of walls built up and I had a lot of these because of situations and relationships in my life that I had witnessed, uh, my parents getting divorced, a lot of things. I just, I made a soul vow at a younger age after my parents divorce that I would never rely on anyone to take care of me, that I would never rely on anyone to like um, financially support me. Um, and I really never let anyone in fully, even my own husband, because instead of like, I never really had been heartbroken because I never even allowed someone to break my heart. I wouldn't even let them in enough to actually have the chance to do that. Uh, I just became very cold-hearted and independent. Even though I may not have come off that way, inside I was. And so initially, I changed my ways out of fear. It was a holy reverence for God that I got. And I saw (laughs) – I recognized his true power. I felt rescued from the darkness. And I felt completely humbled and honestly, like, super horrible for how ignorant I'd been to him and how I lacked respect and reverence for God and how I treated him in the past and completely ignored him for most of my life. But then I was like, okay – all right, Jesus, I pray to him. And I said, if we're going to do this, then I need to actually know you. Like I asked him to remove the walls from my heart. I asked him to teach me, to help teach me how to actually receive his love and how to love him and how to love others. And that's really when for me, like the floodgate started opening and like love poured in. And the more and more, um, and over time, more and more, he's revealed himself to me. The more that this has happened. The more I feel like my heart just expanding, the more the gospel truly just moves me to tears. It literally makes my heart feel like it's going to explode sometimes when I hear certain songs and I just will cry like almost every morning <laughs> listening to worship music or reading the Bible or whatever. The Bible comes to life in a new way. Um, and I've had these moments where I wake up in the middle of the night and it's like all I can think about is God and I'm filled with this like joy and this like. Loving presence where I literally feel like my heart's going to explode. Sometimes it's so overwhelming that I, it's like I lose my breath and I have to get up and just pray. Um, it's wild. It's literally like being in a relationship, but in the most amazing way, because it makes your other relationships even better. But the work of God is completely supernatural. It's completely supernatural. Like I couldn't even love God on my own. Like God had to do that. And that's amazing. And I just think it's just mind blowing to me. And What's crazy too is like my old goals, my selfish ambitions, they're completely falling away. And my time with God is becoming my number one priority. Like it's wild, y'all. I'm sure some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. So if it sounds like I've lost it to you, if some of you are like, whoa, she's gone off the deep end for Jesus. Yes, I have, (laughs) but it's all for good reason. Cause the more that I love and surrender to God, the more that he's putting like the chaos in my life and the things that were causing me striving and stress and, and anxiety, into order and doing really good work in my life. It's really amazing. And I just want to sing his praises because it's like relationships with my husband, things with my husband have been made completely new. Mindsets totally shifted. Um, old desires and way- places where I didn't have a lot of self-control or I would, you know, even like, I'll be honest, like I had a hard time sometimes cutting off the the wine. I would go for more. And that is not an issue anymore. Like it is wild how things were just like broken off. Um, I mean, there's so many more things, but there's a lot of more episodes to do but anyways i know some of you listening know exactly what i'm talking about you've experienced this too you know that overwhelming love of god that i'm referring to you've met him <laughs> you know how incredible it is to live in his presence it's literally like nothing else it's like a touch of heaven on earth um and that makes you want to act better because when we sin we actually cause separation um so for me too like i think about that now you know i'm like i would rather be in god's presence and feel god in my life than be drunk like that's just how it is, which is so cool. (laughs) I don't know. So I'm also going to guess that some of you on here, you, maybe there's some of you who you believe in Jesus. Maybe you haven't really experienced this profound love or, or feeling like this true intimate relationship with him. Like I'm talking about, I totally get you because I was you. Um, and I know like a lot of churches, even today, they take the experience out of God they make it all about facts and kind of like head belief and religion. And honestly, I believe that in order to truly experience transformation and actually want to obey God and overcome sin in your life and and to experience those things where like old ways or, or bad mindsets or even like bad habits are broken, like sometimes instantly that really, he does that through the power of his love and his presence. And so It's so supernatural. It compels you to want to change and to choose him over the temptations and the ways of the world, like I was saying. So if that's you, I just encourage you to pray, to tell Jesus that you want to know him for real, to ask the Holy Spirit to reveal his heart to you and to break down any walls that are between you, to ask him to allow you to actually love him. I prayed for that. So you can, you know, we can't do anything on our own, right? So I'm like, Hey God, I can't love you without you helping me love you. So he can do that um, confess any sin because that separates you from God. And so just know too, like, this is God's doing, like we can't even love him without him. Like I said, um, but he will, he will do it and you can ask for it. And then your job is just to allow it and to go with it. And it's awesome. And maybe, maybe you just need that fresh fire. Maybe you've kind of like, you've been there before, but you've lost it a little bit. So maybe this is going to inspire you to get back there and ask for it. Seek him again and he will meet you. And then maybe you're listening to this and you've never accepted Jesus into your life or your heart. Maybe you've never known or understood what he did for you and that you never maybe realize that he is literally our way to God. Like I didn't realize that for so long. He bridged the impossible gap that separated us. And without him, there is no other way to God or to experience eternal life and heaven and the abundant life and all the promises here and now from the gift of his Holy Spirit. Like he is the only way to do that. And so if that's you, I just want to encourage you to pray and to confess any of your wrongdoings. And if you don't feel convicted by anything, pray and ask the Holy Spirit to come into your life and to show you where you are acting in a way that is disobedient to God's ways. And ask Jesus into your heart. Ask him to simply reveal himself to you. Seek and you shall find. Like, it's for real. I started by praying to God to work on my heart. I was reading the Bible. And he came knocking kind of quietly. I ignored his whispers. And when I say he, I mean Jesus himself, not just God, because I was cool with God, but I still hadn't accepted Jesus fully. So he came knocking and I ignored it. There was little whispers, there was little signs, and I kind of kept putting it off. And it was, it was starting to reveal the things that I was doing that were wrong. And then he finally smacked me in the face. <laughs> and I will be forever grateful because I needed that. I needed to be smacked in the face. So I'm forever grateful for that. Have I lost things in my life? hundred percent. Jesus says, if you lose your life, you'll gain, what is it? You'll gain everything. If you, if you lose your life for my sake, you'll gain your life or something like that. I'm probably quoting that wrong. Anyways. Yes. I've lost things. I've given things up and a thousand percent would do it again. Thousand percent. Because I feel like I've gained the only thing that actually truly matters. And here's the other thing is that life on earth is not all there is. So one of the beautiful things that God gave me through all this is an eternity perspective and mindset now. This is just a small piece here on earth. This is just a short time. And yes, this world has trouble. This world has hardship. This world has awful things. God tells us in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Jesus says that himself. I can tell you life with Jesus is so much better. He is the only savior of the world. I'm sorry. He's not only the savior of the world. He he is the only savior of the world, but he's not only the, he's not only the savior of the world. He is the Lord of the universe. He is the King of Kings and he's coming back. He's coming back. (laughs) So whether you, whether you're ready or not, he's coming back. And that terrifies me to think about like, that helps me actually stay on the straight and narrow too, because we are held accountable. Like we are going to stand in front of him one day and and we are going to be held accountable for all the things we did here on earth, including the things we did with what he gave us which is why I feel so compelled to share this with you. Um, not out of fear, out of just pure joy. And I just like, I'm like, why would I keep this to myself? Like I got to share this with people. So when I think about how he hung the stars, he created the galaxies and yet he also specifically knows you and all of the hairs on your head and he made you and he knows your heart and he lives in your heart if you believe in him. And he designed you specifically with your specific personality. And he's the ultimate sovereign Lord and provider and sustainer and good shepherd I don't know about you, but I trust that He will lead me way better than my own limited human ways could do. And so, once I knew Him, once I experienced Him, once I got to know Him, I wanted Him to take over. Like it's not like, oh no, I got to give it up. It's like, take it, please take it. You know, God says in Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, for I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and to give you a good future. If you are part of God's family, you've been adopted into His kingdom. You no longer live in the world, quote unquote. You are part of God's kingdom, even here on earth. He takes care of his children. He is a good father. There's so much family language used in the Bible on purpose. You know, we are called daughters of the king. We are called, um, we are made children of God. We are, you know, there's the whole metaphor of being married to Christ, which is actually amazing. And (laughs) yeah, like the bridegroom's coming back, right? There's going to be a huge wedding feast. He's preparing a room for you. Like it's amazing. Um, we are co-heirs with Christ. Like there's so much family stuff because God is trying to explain to you his love for you. Only it's more than any human relationship kind of love that we can compare it to because the love and the relationships here on earth are fallen because we're human, but God's is perfect. Okay. So he wants to give you life and abundantly too. And that doesn't mean wealth and riches necessarily, although it can, you know, God's not going to hold back. He wants to get the glory and he wants his people to to do well, but it's more about, it's what it's really about is the internal joys, the gifts on the inside, that peace, that, oh man, I can't even tell you like the freedom. Um, it's, that's priceless. And so just, you just have to allow him to reign as Lord of your life, which is very hard for some of us who are very independent. I know I was there but just allowing, and and that can take time, but allowing him to, then you will see his work and his power through you. But if you're trying to do it all on your own and you've got it all on your shoulders and you're not giving him the burden, you're not laying it down, you're not asking for help. You're not even asking for him to like come into your life. You're on your own. And that's not a fun place to be. That is exhausting. And so y'all, this is why I love Jesus. (laughs) I could not have said that before. and I just, yeah, it's 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 mind-blowing how, yeah, all the things he's just done for me in such a short amount of time. It's, it's incredible. Um, and so I figured we'd start here. This is the gospel, y'all. This is the good news. And it's really, really good news. And he's available and he wants you. <laughs> he died for you. He loves you more than you could ever know. And there's nothing you can do that's too bad or you're never too far gone and you're not alone and he wants to come into your life, but he's not going to force himself. He's waiting for you to ask him in. And when you do, it's incredible. Like it's not boring. Christianity is not boring. Living Holy, you know, the whole word holy always sounded so boring to me. It just means set apart. We are called to be different. We are called to live differently. And so in this podcast, I'm going to talk to you about what does it look like for those of us who are all in and want to follow Jesus? And how do we do that in today's modern world? What does that look like for women who are independent or have businesses or have kids and responsibilities, right? Because a lot of it does and is super countercultural to the way that our culture is today. But God designed the world for a reason with intention. He's the most intentional ever. So when we live according to his will and his ways, we will have so much more peace, not just on that, not just the kind of peace where we get that amazing peace, even when life's crazy. It's just like our life will be in order and will not be as much chaos. I'm not saying it's gonna be perfect. Cause again, he didn't promise that, but like, it's just like he like I I envision him over my life right now, like just like rearranging and putting things back. It's like, nope, we're gonna do this this way, this, this way. But I'm actually finally allowing him to. And there's been so many amazing like things that I could not have even planned that he has already provided for our family and just surrendering everything to him. Cause I, I basically surrendered my entire business to him. Um, I was doing mindset coaching and manifestation coaching and I like other than a few clients here and there like i get i gave up a lot <laughs> i just said have it all um and that was scary because my husband and i are both full-time entrepreneurs we don't have a set steady income and so for 4 months i was on my knees every morning asking god like what do you want me to do <laughs> how am i going to provide for my family and honestly he was trying to teach me that my identity is not my career and that is a huge thing cuz it's always been that way for me and so um I'll share more about this later, but our family did get an amazing blessing just to kind of give you like, you know, cause I, I want to like, let you know how good God is and, and everyone's going to experience different things, right? I can't promise what he's going to do for whatever, but, uh, I can only share my story. You know, he gave our family this amazing opportunity that it's still, we're still in the middle of this tr- transition. There's a lot of moving pieces going on in my life, but he gave us a gift that is like a solid thing that we would have an opportunity that we would have never, ever Ever even seen. We wouldn't have had the eyes to see before, but we were fully surrendered. And we were literally just asking, my husband and I were asking God, like, what do you want us to do? Like, your will be done, literally. And so he provides when we give it to him. Like, he will take care of us. And learning to trust him is one of the hardest things, but it's also the most amazing thing because, again, we're not made to carry all of that burden on our own. He wants to take it. He wants to take it. He promises us that he promises us that, you know, he will take care of us. Or are we not more important than the birds? And he feeds them and clothes them and all the things. Right. So anyways, that is, that is, uh, my, all all my revelations about Jesus. I hope that you enjoyed this. If you have any questions, let me know. Again, I am not an expert, so this is my version. I always say pull out your Bible, check everything, don't take my word for it, test everything against the word. I may have quoted some scriptures incorrectly because I'm human and I'm learning and I'm not perfect and I'm not a pastor. So. Anyways, I hope you have an amazing week and I just pray over you that you allow God into your heart, that you open your eyes and realize how much he is working for you and how much he loves you and how much he is drawing you close to him and that you pray no matter where you are, you pray for what you need. Um, And if you have any questions, reach out. I'm here to talk.